Hello, welcome to our new sermon series entitled Breaking Free, where we'll be looking at how the power of God brings about change and transformation in our lives. Today, we'll be looking at the power of wisdom. But first, I have some questions I'd like to put to you. Would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout? Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great-great-grandchildren? Would you rather lose all of the money you've earned this year or lose all of the memories you've gained this year? Your responses to those questions may well differ from mine because at the heart of who we are, each one of us is unique, one of a kind. But did we become who we are and the way we are through deliberate decisions and choices on our part? Or were there other forces at play in our lives? In my mind, there is no doubt that I have been shaped as a person by my heritage, by the family I was born into, by my past and current experiences, and by the choices I've made along life's way. Being Welsh, I value being down to earth and plain speaking. I'm the youngest of six girls, and I grew up without a father after my mother was widowed when I was seven. My family held education in high esteem. We were taught to work hard and get on with it. And those principles are buried deep within me, and like it or not, to a lesser or greater extent, they have formed the heart of who I am today. I'm so very grateful for the legacy that was passed on to me. But of course, not everything that we experience is wholesome, nor every decision we make helpful. As we live life, our hearts may be wounded by our experiences with people we love and trust, families and friends, or even total strangers. When that happens, our propensity for self-preservation kicks in. Some of us fight back, others take flight, and many people simply shut down or try to appease the person who's hurt them. Over time, those experiences and our reactions may become embedded deep within us. They shape the very heart of who we are. And in our Western culture, many of us long to change the shape of who we've become. Physically, we want to be taller or thinner. We want bigger muscles. We want to be richer, smarter, wiser, calmer, happier, healthier, and ultimately better versions of ourselves. And there's an increasing pool of resources available to help us in our lives in the form of self-help books, podcasts, Instagram posts, and YouTube videos. I recently read James Clear's excellent book, Atomic Habits, which offers advice on being the architect of your own environment so that it becomes easier to avoid bad habits while developing healthy ones. And many of those resources are helpful and offer wisdom as we seek to change for the better. And that can be a good goal. God wants us to change and grow too. But as believers, when we are confronted with the reality of God and his kingdom, we discover that his approach is very different from the usual human wisdom. Rather than offering us help to become a better version of ourselves, he begins by making us a new creation. Rather than advising self-help, he says that self-sacrifice is the way to finding our true self. And finally, 
rather than leaving us to be the architects of our own environment as we build our own personal kingdoms, he rescues us and brings us into his kingdom where he rules and reigns. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? In God's kingdom, we no longer live for ourselves. Now we live for God, for his glory and to do his will. We're a new creation, living in a new kingdom, and nothing can separate us from God's love. When God first revealed himself to me when I was in college, my life didn't look much different on the outside to begin, but inside a miracle had occurred, and I felt so different. However, my past was still shaping my current decisions, because having grown up without a dad, I treated God like Santa Claus. He was my dad, he loved me, so he'd give me whatever I wanted, right? I felt I could wrap God around my little finger. Yet, after the initial honeymoon period, where everything was wonderful, I began to struggle as the Holy Spirit convicted me about certain issues in my life. It appeared that my old life was still hanging around. I felt like a failure as I struggled to turn over a new leaf and behave like a proper Christian. If that is your current experience, please know you're not alone and that God is not about to give up on you. Because while we are new creations when we start out, we are still immature, like babies needing to grow. We need God's help as we learn to live our new lives in this kingdom. But I soon discovered that wanting God to help us is very different to us wanting God to be God. The book of Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Back then, while I loved God, I didn't fear him. In other words, I didn't have a healthy respect for God's power and his majesty or his authority in my life. He was my father, but he wasn't my Lord. And there were areas of my life that I didn't want him to touch. I wanted God's help on my terms. I was facing that deepest of dilemmas that we all face. Would you rather play God and be in control? Or would you rather let God be God in your life? This isn't a one-time decision. Jesus said we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. And that affects all areas of our lives, our relationships, our priorities, and everyday decisions. As we face life's dilemmas, we are always answering the question, would we rather build our life on human wisdom or on God's wisdom? Whenever we need help and we don't know what to do, we can go to God. Listen to the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And later, in verse 22, James issues a warning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Why? Because as we do it, we will be blessed in what we do. Would you rather believe and obey God's words and be blessed? Or get tossed back and forth like a wave on the sea and the winds of life? It might sound like a no-brainer, but asking God for wisdom can present us with a further dilemma. For example, human wisdom says get even with your enemies. God's wisdom says love your enemies. But if we forgive, what about justice? Won't it look like we're soft, like we have no backbone? They might take advantage of us again in the future. Human wisdom says get an education and get ahead. God's wisdom says seek first the kingdom of God. But what if seeking God's kingdom means turning down a great opportunity? Won't people think we're stupid? What if it affects our future career? I'm wondering today, are there areas in your life where you are relying on human wisdom and you need to let God be God? For college student me, forgiving people and submitting my future to God were huge dilemmas that I had to face. But Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. If we want to live our lives to have a solid foundation and be able to withstand storms, we need to do what Jesus says. And that's why reading the Bible is so important because it's full of godly wisdom, showing us how to love God, how to get along with people, how to be a good employee, even how to manage our money. And as we read God's word, the Holy Spirit brings it alive to us and God's wisdom begins to shape us, transforming over time every aspect of our lives. Hebrews 4 tells us, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word can be as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through our doubts and our defenses, our pride and our prejudices, and can reveal things hidden deep in our hearts. Just this summer, I sensed God speaking to me through his word about the depths of my own soul. I was kayaking and I ran aground on one of the many rocks beneath the surface of the lake and I came to a sudden screeching halt. It literally stopped me in my tracks, giving me pause for thought because just that morning I had read Psalm 19 where it says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults and keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And just like that, God began to show me an area of my life where my heart needed healing from hurts due to past experiences. And he showed me how they were affecting my current decisions. You know, most of the time we can keep our hurts and our faults below the surface and under control, at least when we're in public. But sometimes they pop up to the surface. Or maybe we're aware that there are unhealthy habits and self-destructive behaviours lurking in our depths that we just can't seem to break free from. They can undermine our relationships with our families, our friends and with God. We try to reform our behaviour and turn over a new leaf but we're soon back in the same place. Our internal lives and sometimes our outward behaviour seem so at odds with the abundant life talked about in the Bible. But whenever somebody asks us how we are, we say, I'm fine. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro asks this question. What do we see inside ourselves? Going on to say, many of us are afraid to even look. Our most natural prayer is, my Father in heaven, hallowed be my name, may my will be done on earth. We're afraid of God's will being done because we can't control what he will do, when he will do it, and what the outcome might be. God's will requires surrender and trust, and it's something that we're unwilling to offer. But if we keep playing God, it's unlikely that anything will change. If anything, things may get worse. When we're in a deep dilemma about what to do, we feel like we're in a lose-lose situation. We keep pushing our thoughts and fears to the back of our minds, denying that there's a problem. But when we don't resolve those situations, it can create feelings of frustration, anxiety and depression that affects our peace. We isolate ourselves from people and we may even avoid praying, afraid of what God might say. But procrastination and denial almost always make matters worse in the long run. Eventually we run aground on what's hidden underneath the surface and life comes to a scraping halt. We have hit rock bottom and finally we are ready for God to be God in this situation, to acknowledge that we need help and surrender our heart and our will to God. Choosing to surrender actually solves our dilemma because it's not reform or modification of behaviour that we need, but a transformation of the heart. And to achieve that, we need a wisdom and a power greater than our own. And scripture tells us that to those called by God to salvation, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus. We couldn't be in better hands. He not only has the wisdom to help us, but he also has the power to change us. And he will, because he loves us. Just as our heart was once formed by our experiences and choices before we even knew God, 
our heart can also be transformed from the inside out as God conforms us to the image of Christ through his word and by the power of the Spirit. And as our heart is transformed, blessings follow, our relationships improve, our conscience is clear, and we experience a greater degree of freedom. This is the journey of spiritual formation. Listen to Dallas Willard on the subject. When setting out as Jesus' apprentices, we will sharply encounter all of the harmful things that are in us, false thoughts and feelings, self-will, bodily inclinations to evil, and godly social relationships and patterns, and soul wounds and misconnections. These our Saviour and Teacher will help us remove as we strive forward through the many-sided ministries of Him, His Kingdom and His people. All will be bathed in the Holy Spirit. The process of spiritual transformation in Christlikeness is a process through which all the dimensions of our lives are transformed as they increasingly take on the character of our Teacher. That process is the natural condition of the disciple of Jesus and the natural outcome is that we will increasingly do what he says. Praise God! The Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Philippi to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The message puts it this way, be energetic in your life of salvation. Many of us spend hours at the gym training our bodies, hoping to change shape and be healthy. And that's a good thing. But the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. It's good to take stock and ask ourselves, how much effort are we putting into training ourselves in godliness, especially if we feel stagnant and stuck? Imagine what fruit we would see if we devoted half an hour each day to spiritual disciplines like prayer, worship, scripture reading and meditation. Those things make room for the Word and the Spirit to work in us, and they allow the destructive feelings that we've hidden to be exposed and dealt with for what they really are, our attempts to be God. At times we may buck against doing the work because we feel it smacks of legalism and earning our salvation, but we have confused legalism and discipline. God is opposed to us trying to earn our salvation, but he's not opposed to our efforts in working it out. In fact, he is the one who initiates the work in us and we respond in obedience out of love. How might God be asking you to respond today? Maybe there's an area in your life where you need to give up control and let God be God. Or is there a spiritual discipline you need to embrace? Maybe you need to change your schedule to create time for Bible reading and prayer. These are not meant to be heavy weights that we carry. Rather, it's an invitation to cease our human striving and allow God to work in our lives. Today, Jesus is issuing you an invitation to be with him. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This process isn't a training program, but a set of principles and practices by which we present our bodies as living sacrifices before God. The goal is that we delight in the person of Jesus and his presence in our lives. Through his word and by his spirit, we are transformed. We can change our habits, but only he can change our hearts. Maybe you could start this week by reading Psalm 19 each morning. And if you don't know how to pray, you can do what Jesus told his disciples and simply pray what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This prayer is really a framework and you can use it every day. It's totally adaptable to what you're facing. If we bring all these aspects of our life into the presence of God each day, we'll be in much better shape. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here are some questions for you to answer in your small groups. Why are some of Jesus' commands hard to obey? Does anyone want to give examples? Is there anything the Holy Spirit has prompted you to act on as a result of hearing this? And finally, what do you find difficult about reading the Bible? And how can we help each other with that?